The Digital Salon is a curation of listening experiences produced by the alumni and affiliated members of the UCLA Urban Humanities Initiative. In our pilot season, our contributors meditate on the theme of the portal. Through readings, sound walks, audio collages, interviews, and more, we seek out the openings, fissures, and apertures within the pandemic. We're your hosts. I'm Gus Wendell. And I'm Jacqueline Barrios. And for our sixth and final episode, UHI alumni Teo Wickland and PhD candidate of urban planning at UCLA curates a critical playlist to diagnose our present day situation as passengers aboard Globalize Capital's Ship of Fools. The speed with which coronavirus is sweeping through Spain is ferocious. These empty streets are testament to a nation that is moving from anxiety The coronavirus pandemic seemed like it came out of nowhere. With all the confusion, it's hard to see what's going on. The ability of the deadly coronavirus I will try to shed some light on the situation using the legend of Renaissance Europe's Ship of Fools. You may have heard about the idea of a ship of fools. Plato wrote about a ship of fools, a ship with a dysfunctional crew in his Republic back in 375 BC. Since Plato, authors, painters, poets, filmmakers, musicians, and others have riffed on the idea, often as metaphor. So many modern musicians have addressed the theme, there are actually dozens with published songs with the exact name, Ship of Fools. The music on this podcast episode consists entirely of samples from tracks titled Ship of Fools from various artists from the 1960s to today. But while the music plays in the background, I want to tell you about a real, literal ship of fools. It is a true legend Michel Foucault recounts in Madness and Civilization. Quote, At the end of the Middle Ages, leprosy disappeared from the Western world. In the margins of the community, at the gates of cities, there stretched wastelands, which sickness had ceased to haunt, but had left sterile and long uninhabitable. For centuries, these reaches would belong to the non-human. From the 14th to the 17th century, they would wait, soliciting with strange incantations, a new incarnation of disease, another grimace of terror, renewed rites of purification and exclusion. As leprosy subsided, the spontaneous result of segregation and also the consequence after the Crusades of the break with the Eastern sources of infection, former leprosaria became peopled with incurables and madmen. Later in the 16th century, Poor vagabonds, criminals, and deranged minds took the part formerly played by the leper in the Middle Ages. The category of fools and madmen was broadly defined, including misers, slanderers, drunkards, those who indulge in disorder and debauchery, those who interpret the scriptures falsely, those who practice adultery, the unholy, the proud, the greedy, the extravagant, the debauched, the voluptuous, the quick-tempered, the gluttonous, the voracious, the envious, 
the poisonous, the faith breakers. These freshly excluded groups repopulated the wastelands outside the city, the vacated hospitals and prisons, and also peopled a new space, the Ship of Fools. Quote, Something new appears on the imaginary landscape of the Renaissance. Soon it will occupy a privileged place there, the Ship of Fools, a strange drunken boat that glides along the calm rivers of the Rhineland and the Flemish canals. Sailors of such ships were often given madmen when they made landfall at one city or another, and then forced to convey their insane cargo from town to town. The insane were sent to shrines or simply to elsewhere. One town might reject another's banished or receive them unwittingly, only to expel them in short order, whether under supervision of merchants or pilgrims or hapless seamen, or left to wander of their own devices. In his book, Rethinking Capitalist Development, Kalyan Sanyal references Foucault's story, calling the ship of fools, quote, the technology of power to which the age of reason subjected the insane, who was also seen as the personification of unreason. The ship of fools was a technology of power, carrying its insane cargo, drifting from port to port, with the gates of the cities closed and the insane not allowed to disembark. These prisoners of a voyage without destination passively plied the waters. For Foucault, water adds to this dark mass of its own values. It carries off, but it does more. It purifies. Navigation delivers man to the uncertainty of fate. On water, each of us is in the hands of his own destiny. Every embarkation is potentially the last. It is for the other world that the madman sets sail in his fool's boat. It is from the other world that he comes when he disembarks. The madman's voyage is at once a rigorous division and an absolute passage. In one sense, it simply develops across a half-real, half-imaginary geography, the madman's liminal position on the horizon of medieval concern. Let us return to the year 2020. As the COVID-19 crisis gathered steam in February of this year, I took note of the turmoil surrounding infections on certain cruise ships. The Diamond Princess cruise ship was quarantined in Okinawa, Japan on February 1st, the same day a passenger from the ship who had disembarked in Hong Kong a week earlier tested positive for the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus. The ship proceeded to Yokohama, where Japanese authorities again quarantined the vessel off the coast without allowing it to dock on February 3rd. Beginning on February 4th, onboard coronavirus testing identified infected people rising from 10 cases on the 4th to 61 cases on the 7th to 135 by February 10th, then 285 cases five days later, and finally to 542 infections on February 18th. On that day, Diamond Princess passengers and crew accounted for over half of all the known coronavirus infections outside China. The same day, February 18th, another ship from the same cruise company the Grand Princess, left the Mexican Riviera, bound for California. Most passengers disembarked in San Francisco on the 21st, but 62 continued on its subsequent voyage to Hawaii, along with thousands of newly boarded passengers. Signs of the pandemic on the ship began to surface just over a week later. On March 2nd, a passenger who had disembarked after the Mexican cruise tested positive for the coronavirus. Two days later, a second former passenger died and also tested positive. 
If these former passengers were infected, perhaps some of the 62 through passengers were too. They could easily have infected other passengers and crew. The ship returned hurriedly from Hawaii, canceling a planned call in Baja, California, and heading directly to San Francisco. California's state government initially ordered the ship to remain offshore, and nearly half of 46 passengers and crew initially tested were found to have the new coronavirus. Following federally established protocols, the ship docked and disembarked nearly all passengers in Oakland on March 9th. Vice President Pence announced all disembarking passengers would be tested and quarantined. However, only about 800 test results from among the over 3,500 people on board the ship have been publicly released to date. Some passengers declined to be tested, hoping for speedy release from quarantine, while other passengers were unsuccessful in getting tests or waited weeks for their results, which were never announced publicly. Meanwhile, a handful of foreign passengers and nearly a third of crew were denied landing on March 9th and remained on board as the ship undocked on March 16th. As the pandemic crescendoed in March, it was news of the cruise ship Zanda which reminded me of Renaissance Europe's Ship of Fools. On March 7th, two days before the Grand Princess disembarked in Oakland, the MS Zandam departed Buenos Aires, Argentina, with 1,800 people aboard, over 1,200 passengers and nearly 600 crew. The Zandam was set to operate a two-week cruise south from Buenos Aires, down along the east coast of Argentina, around Cape Horn, and then up the western coast of Chile to San Antonio, near Santiago where passengers would fly home. The accelerating pandemic threw this plan off track as Argentina closed its ports to cruise ships while the Zandam was heading to the southernmost Argentinian port, Ushuaia, on March 14th. The Zandam turned toward Chilean waters, hoping to dock in Punta Arenas, yet the Chilean authorities announced a similar port closure beginning March 15th. Refused landing at Punta Arenas, the boat's captain continued north up the Chilean coast, hoping authorities would allow it to dock. Meanwhile, the situation on board the ship deteriorated. Unusually large numbers of passengers began to show flu-like symptoms, consistent with the new coronavirus. The captain decided not to share this information, to avoid panic aboard, and also to avoid discouraging cities from allowing them to dock. The secrecy did not help. They were refused at every port along the coast. By the time the Zandam set sail for Valparaiso, near Santiago, the captain was forced to disclose the news. On March 20th, the ship arrived in Valparaiso Bay, hoping for permission to dock on humanitarian grounds. It was refused amid onshore fears of the pestilence aboard. Under diplomatic pressure, authorities allowed supplies to be transferred to the boat, but nobody was allowed off, save eight Chilean citizens discreetly extracted from the ship. Leaving Valparaiso Bay on March 21st, the Zandam saw more and more passengers and crew falling ill. On March 22nd, all passengers were quarantined in their cabins. Continuing north, the ship was refused at every port up the Chilean coast, then at every port up the Peruvian coast, and finally at every port up the Ecuadorian coast. The captain's new plan was to traverse the Panama Canal and to disembark in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The cruise ship's owners dispatched a second vessel, the Rotterdam, from the Mexican Riviera, where you'll remember the Grand Princess had also sailed to rendezvous with the Zandam off the coast of Panama. Healthy passengers were to be transferred to the Rotterdam to prevent them from falling ill aboard the Zandam. 
Arriving near the entrance to the Panama Canal on March 26, the Zandam dropped anchor, meeting the Rotterdam, beginning the transfer of healthy passengers, and awaiting Panamanian government authorization to traverse the canal. On March 27th, the cruise company announced that four passengers had died and that over 100 cases were suspected among passengers and crew. The same day, Panama granted permission to the Rotterdam to pass through the canal, but the Zandam was refused permission due to infections aboard. Under intense diplomatic pressure, Panama reversed its decision, allowing passage of both ships two days later, under condition of traversing the canal under cover of night with all windows and balconies sealed shut. The saga was not over. Having traversed the canal, the Zandam was soon confronted with the news that state, county, and municipal leaders were refusing permission for the ship to dock in Fort Lauderdale. The Zandam and Rotterdam arrived off the Florida coast on April 1st, hoping that their presence would force the authorities to grant landing permission. Under pressure from President Trump, who emphasized that hundreds of passengers aboard were American citizens, Florida's governor agreed to allow the ships to dock. The ships docked on April 3rd, and passengers and crew were carefully extracted from on board. Sick passengers and crew were transferred to medical facilities. Foreign citizens without signs of illness, nonetheless barred from commercial flights due to their risk of being contaminated, were repatriated on charter flights organized by their respective governments. By April 4th, just 53 passengers and crew remained aboard the two ships, citizens of countries unable or unwilling to provide charter flights for their repatriation. All were transferred to the Rotterdam as the Zandam proceeded to Europe to undergo a deep cleaning. The Rotterdam set sail for the Bahamas, awaiting arrangements to disembark the survivors aboard. The cruise ship operator refused to pay for repatriation travel for passengers or crew. The Diamond Princess, Grand Princess, and Zandam are but three of dozens of cruise ships hit with the coronavirus this year. The last active cruise ship on Earth, the coronavirus-stricken Artania, disembarked its final eight passengers in Germany on June 8th. Yet, as of mid-June, over 40,000 crew remained stuck aboard idle cruise liners around the world, citizens of countries and workers of companies not offering repatriation flights. Numerous suicides have been reported. Nor are cruise ships the only affected vessels. Military ships, such as the USS Theodore Roosevelt and Francis Charles de Gaulle aircraft carrier, have been stricken and had difficulty making landing arrangements. Some commercial ships have also been hard hit, such as an Ecuadorian boat fishing in the South Pacific, whose crew headed to the Marquesas Islands when one of their own fell gravely ill. Subsequent tests revealed that 29 of 30 aboard were infected with the new coronavirus, and they were forced to wait in international waters while the sailor with the worst symptoms received treatment at a hospital in Tahiti. Like Renaissance Europe's ship of fools, the potentially sick human cargo of these ships were banished and unwanted, unable to land, prisoners of a voyage without destination. The same rituals of exclusion from post-medieval Europe are easily recognizable, banishing of suspect individuals and groups, refusing landing or passage to those considered at risk of contagion. The rituals of purification have acquired new trappings of technology and science. Quarantining and transferring vessels, sealing doors, sending the ill to the hospital for treatment, requiring charter flights, deep cleaning procedures. Let's focus a bit more on cruise ships. Cruises market themselves on racialized images of paradise, exotic tropes for colonial consumption by privileged passengers. Crew are sourced from low-wage countries, desperate for work, and easily exploited by cruise companies. 
Aboard, as crew live in crowded, windowless quarters, passengers are sequestered in floating shopping malls, pressed into consumption so that their monies might easily be extracted. The cruise industry replicates this model around the world, producing a homogenous everywhere and nowhere of cruises, even as it relies on the commodification of very real places with unique cultures and histories. The goal is accumulation through extraction and exploitation. You could say the cruise industry is its own ship of fools, relentlessly pursuing an unsustainable and unethical business, thinly veiled by marketing propaganda. Certainly, the decision to continue dispatching cruises amid a global pandemic, such as the Zandam on March 7th, is a striking example of the same unreason which marked Renaissance nightmares of the insane. Cruise companies are far from the only fools reacting to the COVID-19 crisis. Around the world, so-called experts have steered the response without any clear sense of where they are leading us. Some mocked citizens' concerns around the coronavirus, hyping instead the risks of the seasonal flu. Others ridiculed mask wearing as useless before making abrupt about faces. European leaders insisted that travel restrictions were both unnecessary and ineffective until those same leaders finally imposed their own restrictions. Quarantines and other public health measures have been justified by various and shifting goals of managing hospital capacity, buying time to learn more about the virus, awaiting a vaccine, or identifying a pharmaceutical therapy. Amid this confused response without clear destination, there has been almost no reaction to much of the evidence in plain sight. Capitalist development has pushed into wild ecosystems, bringing humans into contact with exotic disease vectors, skyrocketing levels of meat consumption, and anti-ecological factory farms exponentially intensify the risk. Climate change is leading to climate events and anomalies that spur new and intensified forms of interspecies contact, migrations and micromigrations, all contributing to new zoonotic infections. Neoliberal reforms have rolled back government oversight and public services, which might otherwise reduce or manage such risk. Neoliberal capitalist globalization has produced a hyperconnected world of just-in-time supply chains and groundless globetrotters, rapidly spreading disease around the planet. These animals, we don't know their history. Studies show air pollution is a factor in spreading the new coronavirus and in making its symptoms worse. Our separation from the land in the guise of modern technology and lifestyles has made nature, the physical real earth, seem abstract. This lack of knowledge and lack of nuance in our understandings mean we make stupid decisions with bad consequences. Yet, instead of addressing any of this evidence, leaders mindlessly insist on economic development, meaning capitalist accumulation through more extraction and exploitation. Instead of taking advantage of the sudden halt to massively reduce air travel, countries are propping up airlines. Coronavirus outbreaks in meatpacking plants are met not by a rethink of the meat industry or its scale, but by proposals to reduce worker rights or to bring in more poor temporary foreign laborers without economic health or social protections. The obvious imperative presented by the pandemic is for us to emphasize slow, local, sustainable, inclusive, creative, and innovative economic activities. Yet our leaders insist on doubling down on the unjust, exploitative system which led to this crisis in the first place. Although the response to COVID-19 might reveal we are all passengers or crew on a global ship of fools, this has been the case since long before the current pandemic. Like a psychotic floating Matryoshka doll, the ship of fools Zandam is contained in the ship of fools of its corporate operator, itself nestled in the belly of the cruise industry, in turn inscribed in global capitalism. Their response to the coronavirus pandemic is nestled inside the Matryoshka Ship of Fools avatar, which animates the insane response to every global challenge that arises. 
The big mama ship, the one containing all her fractal replicates, is the great leviathan ship of fools. You might call this ship globalization, neoliberalism, racial capitalism, or colonialism. You could call it extractivism, developmentalism, or modernization. Whatever you call it, we are all, as people, passengers on this ship. As wage laborers in the capitalist economy, we are its crew. As consumers, we are the engine of the ship, burning its fuel, the vibrant ecosystem of the planet Earth, to which we are well adapted and whose collapse spells trouble for our species and for countless non-humans as well. Like Renaissance Europe's ship of fools, our current global system is a technology of power. This modern ship's command is not any one person, but the ruling classes, collectively forming a system whose operation surpasses deliberate human control. Corporate executives, covetous investors, and sycophantic politicians combine to steer this ship without any thoughtful reflection or deliberate navigation toward any real destination. We are all, as Sanyo might say, the insane cargo on a voyage without destination. Applying the waters of austerity, supremacism, extraction, and ecological collapse so that a handful of people may accumulate obscenely and uselessly in this moment. We are headed to who knows where, or perhaps, in Foucault's words, toward the sterile and uninhabitable wastelands of elsewhere, the liminal reaches belonging only to the non-human. Is this the moment we finally reimagine our purity? Or will we, the fools, ultimately exclude ourselves on an absolute passage of unreason? In this podcast, I cited and quoted works from Michel Foucault and Calvin Sanyo, specifically Michel Foucault's 1961, Madness and Civilization, A History of Insanity in the Age of Reason, translated by Richard Howard and published in 1988 by Vintage Books, and Calvin Sanyo's Rethinking Capitalist Development, Primitive Accumulation, Governmentality, and Postcolonial Capitalism, published in 2013 by Rutledge India. I gathered information related to recent events from various news reports. I largely sourced information on the Zandam's voyage from a news article by Ignacio Ramonet titled Coronavirus a Bordo, La Odisea da Zandam, Crucero Maldito, and published by Nodal on May 31, 2020. For other sources and further reading, refer to the reading list posted on the Digital Salon Podcast website at digitalsalonpodcast.org. Musical tracks in this podcast have been sampled under the Fair Use Doctrine, I sampled a total of 15 tracks. They are, in order, La Nef des Fous, or in English, Ship of Fools, by Ikova, 1998. Ship of Fools, by André Kostelanets, 1966. Ship of Fools, by Secret Chiefs 3, 2001. La Nef des Fous, or in English, Ship of Fools, by La Breche, 2017. Ship of Fools, by Santport, 2018. Ship of Fools, by The Grateful Dead, 1974. Ship of Fools by The Doors, 1970. La Nave de los Locos, or in English, Ship of Fools by Quique Gonzalez, 2019. Hieronymus III, Ship of Fools, Nef de Fous by The Felix Ducey V and Ray Anderson, 2010. La Nef de Fous, or in English, Ship of Fools by Daida, 2018. Ship of Fools by The Persuasions, 2000. Ship of Fools by Pertner Sandstone, 2018. Ship of Fools by The Grass is Dead, 2004. Ship of Fools by ZK Bucket, 2020. Ship of Fools by Erasure, 1988. I sampled numerous sound effects from freesound.org and from the BBC Sound Effects Research and Education Space. The Digital Salon Podcast is hosted and produced by Jacqueline Jean Barrios and Gus Wendell, 
Our sound director is Heidi Maureen Alexander. Sai Rojanapirom is responsible for marketing and graphics, and Joshua Nelson is our web manager. I'm your contributor for this episode, Teo Wickland. If you have any comments or just want to get in touch, feel free to email me at teo at ucla.edu. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit our website, digitalsalonpodcast.org.